0: Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. Globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics.
1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey, David,
0: good to be here again.
1: That's right. As we continue, Eric, our discussion of money. Oh, money, money, money. We thought we were going to fit it into one episode (laughs) and uh, here we are on the second episode. But there was just so much to say about this. This is a reminder, folks, we're doing this because we business owners deal with money every day. Right. And in a society where money doing what it's supposed to do and working well, you don't have to understand the theory and the mechanics. In a society where things are maybe not working as well, it's more important to understand what's going on and why we might be seeing some new alternatives coming up here. Right, right. So that's why we're diving in. If you haven't listened to the episode before this one, please do because it really brings us up to where we're, we are right now. Right. So we finished our… Last episode talking about three functions of money. Yep. Remember
0: those, Eric? Well, there is the medium of exchange. Yep. Right. There's a unit of measure or account. Account, yes. rather. Yep. And then there's a store of value.
1: Store value, right. Yep. Exactly. And we, we in the last episode got up to where over time most of humanity arrived at silver and gold. Yeah. So silver does corrode, unlike gold. It is less rare than gold. It is consumed in some industrial processes. So it has a lower value per ounce than gold. But it's got a lot of similar things to make it more of a hard money than most other things out there, right? Than copper, rice, cows, things like that. And so society for, you know, some time at least had silver and gold. And then some developments started happening. I guess let's call it maybe the 1800s, where we started to have, well, let's maybe go first into the, some of the, the challenge of the gold, and then we'll talk about why yeah. silver went away, or at least became you know second place here. So what happened was is people started realizing, like, wait a second, this gold to carry it around is heavy; it isn't safe, right? For me to just walk around, walk family, around with a big with sack of gold, gold over my shoulder, yeah. right? right? This, I, I'm, I, you know, it's very obvious what I'm carrying around; I'm, I can be robbed, and so people would say, well. Businesses emerged that said, and it was often the goldsmiths, the ones who were forming the gold and saying, I'll store that for you. I'll keep your gold safe. I'll hire some guards. I'll get a vault safe. And you store your gold with me and I'll give you this note, this I owe you, which says I owe you this amount of gold, gold that's right. written on the note. Right. So you can feel confident that your gold is safe and you've got this note that you can come at any time and right. redeem for gold. Okay. Well, it turns out over time, Lots of people are doing this. Lots of people have the notes and they start realizing, wait a second, instead of, if I want to buy shoes from you, Eric, instead of running to the goldsmith to get my gold and then redeeming the gold then bringing you the gold, I would just go to you and say, Eric, I've got a note right here. It's as good as gold. You know, we see that, <laughs> yeah, that term, right? Yeah. yeah, Exactly. That's where yeah. it comes from, right? Yeah. And so I'll give you the note. You give me the shoes. Now you have the note, right? And you can redeem the gold at any time. But it turns out, why would you? Because it's much easier when you, you need something. When you need to go buy for, buy yeah. some steak that night, yeah. just take that note and give it to the restaurant, right. right? And so now it turns out these notes are out there circulating in society, and rarely ever are they getting redeemed for physical gold, right? It's a wonderful system. This is this is progress in society. We're we're, right. we're freed up from the constraints of having to carry this heavy stuff around. We're safer people now. This is economic development in the world until the people holding the gold start realizing, wait a second, not everybody's going to come and get. They're not coming back very often to redeem this gold. There are, let's say, a thousand ounces of gold in my vault and I've got a thousand IOUs out there for a thousand ounces of gold. What if I just issued a few more? Who would know, right? And so they issue a little bit more, and turns out now there's 1,100 ounces of gold note circulating out there, but only a thousand in the ounces in the bank right. in the vault. Right. This is the beginning of what we call today fractional reserve banking, yeah. right? So the reserves for the note are only a fraction, fraction of what's of what actually tax- circulating out there. Right. This at first, what's the problem? Well, there's two big problems. You know, I were talking about earlier, right? So one is If everyone should run and try and redeem their money all at once, we call it a run on the bank, got a problem. They can't. It's not possible. It doesn't exist. That's one problem. And it's a big problem. It's not a small one. Even if we could figure that out, there's another problem. And that is every time the bank, the goldsmith, whoever we're calling them at this point in history, issues another note for which there is no one-to-one gold in existence, the value of everyone's note becomes a little bit less, less. right? Mm-hmm. And therein lies the really big problem. Yeah. If you only issue a few notes, this is only a little bit of theft. If you issue lots and lots of notes, this is large amounts of this, right? And we say theft. Is it theft? Eh, by what definition? I don't know. But certainly people who had a certain amount of wealth before no longer have it. right? And you've taken it <laughs> right. in, a, in a crafty kind of way without taxing them or actually breaking down the door of their house. Right.
0: Right. So. And the biggest culprits of that of course, are the governments and the central bankers. Right, and so let's talk about how we got to central banks. Yeah,
1: And so, because this is where it starts to become some of the limitations of the gold system. So the world actually went, ended up on a gold system, gold standard for, you know, Britain was on it for over a hundred years, a long time. I'm just flipping to actually get the, uh, the chart here that I had in front of me. It may be here in chapter three. And so when we started using notes, Instead of actual gold, it used to be that we could use silver was good for small transactions. Well, once you're using notes, pieces of paper are very much divisible. You can just write, this is a note for a quarter of an ounce of gold. This is a note for five ounces of gold, right? Right, right. You didn't need another coin to be for small transactions anymore. And that became kind of the demonetization of silver. There's some debate as if people will say silver could be remonetized. Maybe, but, you know, a lot of the sophistication and the ability we have now with our financial systems is not as likely that we'll be going back to monetizing silver, although it's still a valuable metal. But yeah, and actually in the book, for folks who didn't listen to the last episode, we're going through a little bit of the Bitcoin standard just as a reference for taking us through this story. In Chapter 3 of Monetary Metals, he takes us through... A history of the Roman emperors, how they clipped coins, shaved just coins, just shaved them. Yep, that's Everything right. we're doing now in society, they were doing lead, then. Yeah. That's right. They were do, they were doing it all, always to disastrous consequences. Led
0: nickel. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah.
1: And so, but the countries of the world really ended up all in the gold standard, early to mid 1800s, up until World War One. Yeah. This is arguably the time in history where we saw the most economic progress in the history of, the, the, history world of the world across yeah. the globe. And we can't just say that everything is, you know, you, you have gold and everything's, you know, sunshine and roses, but it's a very necessary prerequisite, a sound money, hard sound money
0: sound is money. Right.
1: is a prerequisite for human flourishing. Yeah. Right. And we saw that that happened. So the world went off the gold standard in World War One. We won't go into that history, although it's fascinating or recommend reading it. It came back in various ways after World War two. And then the United States ended up on somewhat of a gold standard, I think until was it the 1960s, 60s, yeah, late sixties, yeah. right? Where Nixon severed that link. Yeah. And where we're going with that is, so we can talk about, so we have no gold backing now, but let's talk about how we ended up with the central banks. Mm-hmm. So as we developed in this more sophisticated economy with more people transacting all around the world, in fact, people will attribute even the telegraph And trains in Europe to what led to a lot of the progress in using a note system where the IOU note system set of the goal because suddenly banks in different countries could get on a telegraph line and say debit Eric's account this much, credit Eric's account this much. They could talk to each other real time. And so this allowed a whole new layer of sophistication in this world. This is, I mean, an economic progress. Poverty went down. Economic prosperity went up across the world. But we ended up realizing that we still needed to do clearings of gold. And like we said before, gold is expensive. It can get heavy, especially with large amounts of it. So these there became centralized locations to store gold.
0: Mm-hmm. used to be much more in specific areas and everything. And they started consolidating, consolidating. Right. So maybe, you,
1: Eric, you would keep a little bit of gold at your house. I'd keep a little bit of my house. But more and more, you and I are exchanging notes and all the golds ending up in these these locations. And because of how valuable these locations are, it becomes, through economies of scale, it makes sense to have really large more locations part, where, you got more secu- where you can afford more security to make okay. sure stuff never gets robbed yeah. or taken away. And that becomes a central location for the gold. It becomes a central bank, right? Right. And as governments started to realize what's going on here, they started more and more to take control of these things. And so we now had governments of the world controlling the central banks. Mm-hmm. And now governments of the, and we can argue, people will argue that, that the Federal Reserve is not part of the government. Technically it isn't, but it is. It's a quasi-government a pleasant, entity, yeah. I guess. Yeah. When the president of the United States appoints, appoints yeah. your chairman, <laughs> There's, this is not independent. There's a political, <laughs> yeah,
0: there's something yes. political there. So,
1: so we ended up with the central banks and that I think starts to lead us to the rest of the story where now it was a lot of the governments of the world who now had the temptation to inflate the money supply, print more IOUs, right? right? And by getting rid of, and for a while there was a check on this, like this whole era I just referred to of the gold standard up until World War One, hmm. the government still of the world still <laughs> played shenanigans, but there was a check because when the market value of your currencies started to differ greatly from the market value of gold, people would figure it out. They would go buy the neighboring country's currency. They'd play yeah. arbitrage games. Yeah. And you would be forced to get yourself back in line at some right. point. You couldn't right. vary that far. Right. In today's world, where we've completely severed any link to any reserve at all, there's no check at all. Right. Today, anyone, any central authority of any government in the world yeah. can print.
0: It. Well, outside of, say, the Swiss bank system and switzerland as a government you've everybody says why it's so expensive to go to switzerland well is it really that expensive to go to switzerland or the fact that switzerland has basically maintained its value and its wealth against the other currencies mm-hmm. the swiss franc because it hasn't played the games to the extent that right. the other governments absolutely have.
1: I do believe they were the last ones to leave the gold standard, yeah. but they've still been very disciplined. Still more
0: disciplined inflating than inflating exactly
1: their, right. their currency like most of the other countries of the world have done. Right. Right.
0: So, so Eric, this
1: leaves us. So let's tie this now back into a business owner. Why, if I'm a business owner, do I care? Listen, Eric and David talk about <laughs> money, right? I just want to go make more of it. I don't care the <laughs> mechanics, the theory behind it. So why does this matter? And I think this leaves society today and we've seen this really just accelerate in the last few years where the money supply of most societies around the world has not gone up 10%, 20%. It's gone up 400%, 500%. That's in the developed countries. There's more egregious examples other places. And we're starting to see that People are realizing, like you and I had a meeting with someone just a few weeks ago, and and he was pointing out that it's ironic that if you look at a car, buying a car fifty years ago, it cost about the same amount of gold to buy a car fifty years ago as it costs today. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas it definitely does not cost the same amount of dollars today as it cost fifty years ago because gold has maintained its value. It's true. It's ups and downs, right? Actually, if you read Seyfedean Amas in the Bitcoin standard, he talks about gold supplies Says even if we doubled the amount of mining that we did in gold, the whole world supply because of its stock to flow ratio would only go up like 3% a year, which is not even close to the the hundred percent a year that we're getting in other currencies or worse. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so more and more, we've got entrepreneurs around the world saying we could do this better. And so how do we do it better? And this leads to our next episode, Eric, where I think we're going to dive in a little deeper
0: where we get. We frame the the mm. problem because we can see, well, that run rampant. I mean, it can be a continuous problem. And we're seeing that now on a global scale.
1: So let's before we dive into some solutions, let's talk about what would a solution look like? A solution to this would be a money that is a hard money. All the characteristics we talked about in the last episode you can't make a whole lot more of it, right? It's a unit of exchange. It's a store of value. And when you say you can't make a whole lot more of it, and also this, this new challenge, when we look at how where the gold standard went, some people will say, let's just go back to the gold standard. And I'd say, that'd be wonderful if we could go back to the gold standard. I think we'd have to solve, though, the challenges with how the gold standard evolved to where we are today. Yeah. It wasn't limitations in gold. It was limitations of the people centralizing, people centralizing the gold. The gold. Right? And, and, and yeah. how do we stop that from happening again? If we could just reset the, the monetary clock and go back to the year 1900, that would be fantastic from a human prosperity point. But we'd have to have some kind of check to make sure we don't just repeat the last 100 years or the 100, last 120 right. years. Right. So a technology that would allow us to do that could be an answer, could be right. a better way. Right. Right. So I don't want to I'm not ready to just throw my hat in the ring and say, here is the answer. Society right. must do this No. But I think yeah. we need to recognize as business owners that there are people now creating solutions to this problem. Right. This is and I've been astounded, Eric, to realize like this is no longer to just some hackers or techies just no. going and you know yeah. coding in their dorm rooms. There's an entire industry out there. There are conferences, there are books being written. I'm referencing one. I'm flipping through pages of one of them right now.
0: And so. Well, and I I think the other is, is that fundamentally what we've talked about in the last couple episodes is the people who have initiated this are basically the economic minds who have said they've gotten to that realization of saying this. We can't continue to go down the path that we're going now. We need an alternative for the betterment of society. Absolutely. Following Mm -hmm. the rules and and foundations of not the theories, Mm -hmm. but the economic laws of money. Right. And not just bypassing those, we have to get back to the fundamentals and create a system that is based on those fundamentals and has the proper checks and balances Mm -hmm. to ensure that it doesn't, get controlled and out of hand
1: absolutely, like it is today. Absolutely. And so I think that's going to be fun to dive into. Any entrepreneur needs to understand that this is coming. I'll frame it this way before we wrap up. I heard uh, someone who's uh, much more versed in this industry than, than we are say that it's today, it's the case that we talk about transactions in the blockchain. Like, oh, this industry now has some transactions in the blockchain. It's very probable that the next five to 10 years, we won't talk about what transactions are in the blockchain because they'll just all be in the blockchain.
0: blockchain. Yeah. It'll, it'll just yeah. be, it would or, be, you might talk about well, what's not on the blockchain. Right,
1: is exactly. I mean, and I don't know if I'm saying there are multiple that. blockchains, but yeah. it, it may be that that's just, that's just how you do it, right? Whereas it used to be like, oh, th- th- does your business have a website? Like That's crazy. Who would ask that question today? Everyone's got a website, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's a few holdouts, but in general we don't talk about. We assume a business has a website. So that may be where we're And That was only 10, 15 years ago right. that we thought like that, right? right. So it's not crazy right. to think 10 to 15 years will be somewhere different. So folks, join us next time. I think we've hopefully set the stage well for why it's important to understand the history, the meaning, where we are monetarily as a society. And now let's unpack next episode as a business. Where do we go from here?
0: Well, look forward to it. That's great.